Welcome to the Healthy You Gatherings podcast. We are told in John 16, that we will have troubles, and Jesus confirms that by saying, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Healthy You Gatherings allows us to come together and explore complex and difficult topics. Find benefit in learning from the one who's overcome the world, who understands that a biblical perspective will help us find peace amidst life's everyday issues. Well, hey everybody, welcome to another installment of Healthy You Gatherings. We're going to talk about motivation and procrastination. And so if you have your PowerPoint, uh, we're on slide one. So yeah, excited to be talking about these um, these issues of uh, being motivated as well as um, procrastination. And if you go to slide two on your PowerPoint, you know, what are we hoping to learn today? First of all, uh, recognizing uh, the cycle of procrastination and that there is a common cycle, but you'll hopefully find the places where maybe you get stuck and you're unable to uh, maybe stay motivated or to follow through on something. Uh, what else we would like to learn? Identify uh, causes for unsuccessful goal setting. Um, a lot of times you will hear podcasts and you'll see books and uh, people on social media talking about setting goals, setting goals, setting goals. And um, we'll talk about why that doesn't seem to work as well as maybe we want to. Uh, and then third, we're going to develop and implement a plan for healthy habits. And so what you're going to notice today is we're going to talk a lot more about habits than we are about goals. And we'll talk about why that is. So if you go to slide three, what is procrastination? It's a pretty simple definition, and I think everybody probably knows that it is stalling or it's the act of delaying or postponing something. Uh, we've all probably had those moments where we uh, realized we had not done what we said we were going to do. You know, there's an old, old saying about, you know, uh, wh- why put off today what you can do tomorrow? And uh, so procrastination can happen for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, we can be unmotivated. Uh, we're, maybe we're not connected to the thing we're doing. Um, you know, as a child, maybe doing your chores, waiting to the last minute before you did that, or school, maybe waiting to do your homework until the last minute. Tax season, some people wait till the last minute to do their taxes. Um, there's a lot of reasons why we would, uh, why would we be doing that? If you go to slide four, uh, well, what does God's guidance say about this? Hebrews 12, 11, and this is the NLT version, says, No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. And that's worth looking at over and over again and maybe meditating on that in your some of your quiet time. When we're disciplined, uh, at first, it's not enjoyable because it's new. It takes us out of our comfort zone. But you could probably think of something that now that you are disciplined in it, could be something like exercise or how you eat or your job or school uh, or, or some sort of hobby. Um, it was painful at first. But as you process through it, 
And this is what's great about the Bible is this is a promise. It says there will be a peaceful harvest of right living. And so being trained in the gospel uh, is obviously where we want to center our lives. But we may have other things that are not necessarily spelled out in the gospel, but they're connected to that. So we want to look at what are some ways that we get stuck. If the Bible is telling us that being disciplined is good and that there is a reward, then how do we get stuck? If you go to number five, you go to slide number five, you'll see a cycle. And there are other ways to describe this cycle. Uh, This is uh, Pauline Wallen's uh, version. Um, You start off by thinking about something that you need to do. You start thinking about a task. So, for instance, um, you know, there's a paper. Let's say you're in school and you have a paper that's due. You have an essay that's due. So you start thinking about it. And what does that usually do to us? Sometimes we get fired up and we get excited, but most of the time it creates a little bit of anxiety in us. And so we start thinking about, well, what if I don't do it right? Uh, What if uh, I don't have enough time? What if the grade isn't the best? Um, Sometimes people will think about this on things like in their home, like uh, doing the laundry or cutting the grass or cleaning out the garage. Whatever it is, you you go through this process of feeling maybe a little anxious, and then here's where we run into trouble. We we promise ourselves or somebody else, uh, I'll do it later. Sometimes we think, well, I've got a lot of time. Uh, I got plenty of time to do that, so I don't have to do it now. One thing I used to do when I was a, a teacher was talk about time management, and that's really something I think we could all learn uh, about in more detail because I think it's very helpful, but I think it's also um, what keeps us from being able to get out of this cycle sometimes. And here's what happens to us when we promise to do it later, whether we're saying that to ourselves or somebody else, we instantly get some relief. And that is when we get stuck because after we get the relief, we end up doing something else like binging on Netflix, or we go out with our friends, or uh, we have a uh, vacation planned, or maybe it's something good. We could be reading a book or something like that. The problem is you will come back around to thinking about the task because it's still there. Uh, I mentioned this when I did the um, seminar um, was... There was a book by Brian Tracy called Eat the Frog, and um, you could probably pick it up on Amazon or anywhere else. And in it, he says, when you list the 10 things that you need to do, always put the hardest thing first and do the hardest thing first, because it will release a lot of your anxiety because you got the one out of the way that you needed to get out of the way. But we usually do it the opposite way. We start with the easy stuff, and we mark off the nine things, and then we kind of fool ourselves by saying, oh, look at everything I've done. I've done nine of my ten, but yet the, the one that we really needed to do, we've been thinking about the whole time. So that cycle is common in all age groups, all socioeconomic status, It's everywhere. It's thinking about the task and the task creating anxiety in us and then that promise to do it later, which leads to momentary relief, and then we do something else, and then we come back to thinking about it. That's why a lot of times if you go through that cycle several times, you'll be exhausted by the time you actually start to do it. 
So what we want to learn how to do is go from thinking about it to having anxiety and then promising to do it later to thinking about it. You may have some anxiety, but then starting the process. Um, If you go on to slide six, again, here's some more of God's guidance. Proverbs 12, 25 says that anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. So the reason I put that in there is we want to stay away from those things that will create anxiety in us. And thinking about something we need to do and not doing it creates some anxiety. And so we have a way out of that. Now, the next two slides, um, I want you to do kind of a personal inventory. Uh, I've listed um, 12 common reasons uh, for why we procrastinate. And so what I'd like for you to do is, as you hear me talk about each one of these, maybe on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being, yes, this is like me, and 1 being, that's not really like me, um, how much is that like you? How much of that is, I do this often, or I find myself um, in a pattern where I do that, or it resonates with me? So we're on slide 7. The first common reason is the prioritization of short-term mood. And again, what this means is I would prefer to feel better right now, even if later it's going to make me feel worse, which is kind of the cycle in and of itself is I promise I'll do it later. And so I don't like the way cleaning out the garage feels, so I'm going to go inside and I'm going to watch the game instead uh, because it makes me feel better. Or instead of exercising, Like I've said, I'm going to, I go into the kitchen and I get some ice cream because that makes me feel better. So we prioritize the short term. And what ends up happening is, is you're sacrificing your future uh, because you get something now. So that is a big one. Um, I can relate to that, that. And it may not happen all the time and it may only happen in certain areas in your life. So scale of one to 10, how much of that is, is like you, um, Task aversiveness is just, I don't really want to do it. It's boring. It's frustrating. It's unpleasant. Um, You know, who wants to rearrange their closet? Now, some people like that. And if you're one of those, that's great. A lot of people are like, oh, this is such a bore. Um, Or uh, clean, you know, kids cleaning up their room or cleaning their bathroom. Um, You know, for some people, it is exercise. For some people, it's, again, we talked about this before, their taxes, whatever, But just be honest and go, you know what, this is frustrating, this is boring, or this is kind of unpleasant. Another way is this anxiety and fear uh, is the third one. Sometimes um, just the concern that you're going to be criticized. Um, Just this idea that um, people are going to be critical. So a lot of times what people will do is they won't even do it at all. I would rather get uh, the zero on the project than turn the project in and be criticized. Uh, Some people will not do things at work uh, because other people are going to be critical of them. So they'd rather, uh, you know, get written up or get fired in some cases, as opposed to um, doing it and then trying to learn from it. And that's what we um, want to try to do better at is not to allow the anxiety and the fear to control us. And just another side note, if anxiety is an issue for you, there is another podcast within this Hug series that we did last year. Doug Wildman, who's one of the care pastors, 
did a uh, section on anxiety that is excellent. So if you want to listen to that, you uh, you certainly can. So number four is feeling overwhelmed. And um, you just have so many things to do. Uh, like the old saying, you have too many irons in the fire. And so you're not sure where to start. And so what happens is because I have so many options and I have so many things that I need to do that the um, the overwhelming feeling of that paralyzes us. And so we don't do anything. Uh, and we're going to talk about that later, about why habits are so important to just start. Because if I can start, I can get the ball moving, even if it's not perfect. And what we find through uh, studies and brain researches is that your brain really likes the sense of accomplishment. And so even if you got started, it feels good to have made that promise to yourself to say, yes, I got started. Uh, but if you're in a place today where you're like, wow, that's me, that's a 10, um, then again, as we talk about building in margin into our lives, that may help us with getting started. Uh, number five is similar to that, the, the perfectionism. And again, I don't want to publish any work. I'm an author. I'm trying to write. And I don't even want to um, put that out there unless it's perfect. And um Perfectionism can come in a lot of different areas. People sometimes uh, are like that in their relationships, and uh, sometimes they're in that way if uh, at work. And so what begins to happen is perfectionism keeps any productivity from happening. Uh, there's nothing wrong with having a high-value system for uh, not having mistakes and such, but if it gets to the point where you never are starting anything because there's a fear that it's not going to be perfect or there's anxiety because it's not going to be perfect, then you've fallen into the procrastination trap. Uh, and then number six, and this is the last one on the seventh slide, is the expected effort. Is it just going to be too hard? And it's funny how some of these, we can expect things to be hard, but in reality, they're not. And this reminds me of another saying of, of you know, how do you eat an elephant? It's one bite at a time. And so with expected effort, you realize I'm not going to be able to finish this thing all at once. So let me just do a little bit at a time. Uh, so again, you're trying to clean out your garage there's 50 things to do in the garage. Well, maybe you get three of them done. And then you realize a little bit at a time. And, you know, paying attention to what you're saying to yourself is important here because you may be putting a lot of pressure on yourself to the point where oh, this is going to be too hard. And you may be able to reflect on some times in your life where you have done something that you thought was going to be hard and it wasn't as bad as you thought it was. Uh, now, other times it's the opposite. You know, it was harder than you thought. But a lot of times... It wasn't as bad as you thought it was because once you get started, um, then you have momentum. Uh, if we go on to um, the eighth slide, uh, at the top you see abstract goals. Uh, we're going to talk about this. If it's not clearly defined, a lot of times we don't we don't get started, right? And uh, if you remember Alice in Wonderland, um, you know Alice is is talking um, and basically. She's being asked, where are you going? She goes, I don't know. He goes, well, then you'll get there. And so sometimes that's how our goals feel. They're very vague. We just have a general idea of maybe where we want to go, so we don't really get started. And so as we're going to talk about SMART goals here in a little bit, we want to be as specific as we can. Because if there's vagueness, then we really don't know what we're doing. And so sometimes we won't even get started. Uh, the next one is cognitive biases, 
And this is this, um, in education, they use a term called learned helplessness. So you kind of defeat yourself before you get started with your own mindset. So you're, you're kind of uh, pessimistic about being successful. Uh, I've heard this a lot with people who are trying to do something uh, in their family that maybe nobody has ever done, like uh, move to a big city, get a, an advanced degree, have a career field, uh, try something like being on a TV show, uh, like America's Got Talent or you know American Idol, stuff like that. And so what happens is, is this, this thought process freezes us to the point where we don't try. And that's where uh, we get stuck. And so when that happens, um, it builds on itself to the point where procrastination becomes normal. And so then it's easy to say to ourselves, well, I probably wouldn't have done it anyway. Um, but in the same time, there'll always be that thing in the back of your mind that's like, well, what if? What if I had tried? Um, the next one is time management issues. And this is, uh, again, one of those things of not being able to prioritize the tasks that we have at hand. And so, um, or we ha don't have any margin in our life. And so it's hard to start something if you know you're not going to be able to give it some time. Like I know for me personally, if I'm going to start a task like taxes and, um, I like to give myself at least an hour the first time I dive into taxes for the begin. You know, it takes me a little time to do my taxes. So I, I like to know that I have an hour. If I'm going to read a book, I want to make sure that I have at least a half hour. Uh, otherwise, it doesn't feel like I can really get into it. And so I probably won't even start. But I have to carve that time out. So, you know, is time management an issue? Um the next one is underlying conditions. You could have some situations like being severely anxious or severely depressed, and um, there could be some some issues at home, some conflict. Um, there could be having to take care of a sick child. I mean, there could be a lot of things. But the reason why I put this one in here is, like, think about your life, and if there's always something, there's always an underlying condition then you may need to look at your life and have someone help you look at your life to say, hey, let's let's look at all of these conditions and see if there are some things that can be taken off your plate or maybe it's the way that we're approaching these, these conditions. Uh, another issue is low energy, and this could be because of uh, poor nutrition. Uh, it could be lack of sleep, lack of exercise, or, you know, as people say a lot, lack of movement. Um you want to be able to get out there in the sun. You want to be drinking water, all those kinds of things. But sometimes, and I've talked to people who are in a uh, poor cycle of staying up late, getting up early, and then filling their bodies with lots of caffeine, uh, energy drinks, um, sugar, and they go up. And then they kind of crash, and then they have to keep giving themselves caffeine or other things to keep them up. And then they're exhausted, but then they can't sleep because of the way they've treated their body. So you may want to look at, hey, am I uh, doing the things that I can do to help myself physically and mentally? And then the last one is you may just have an environment that has a lot of problems and a lot of distractions. And so um, looking at... What does my physical space look like at home and at work or the places that I'm trying to do tasks? I know for me personally, uh, again, I don't do well when it's real sloppy around me. 
And sometimes that's my fault and I have to fix that. But sometimes just taking some time to fold clothes and put them up and straighten up my office gives me a really good feeling of, yes, now I feel like I don't have as much going on in my environment and so I can kind of concentrate on the task. So as you look at those, there may be some that you resonate with more than others. But you may want to look at the the top three and maybe uh, as we talk about goals and habits here, that that may be one of the things that you're going to to work on. Uh, Now, slide nine talks about goal setting. And I have a the video or a picture there of the the guy with the uh, horse behind the cart, and he says this isn't working at all. I should warn others not to put their cart before the horse. And here's what I'm saying for the uh, purpose of of this hug is I see a lot of people set goals before they set habits, and I think if you haven't had a lot of success keeping to your goals then it's possible that you're putting the cart before the horse. It doesn't mean that the goals themselves are bad. It just may be the way you went about setting it could be very similar to putting the the cart before the horse. If you look at slide 10, we're reminded again here in Proverbs 14.23 that hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. And so being honest with yourself, you you may have had experiences where you set goals, but it was just talk. And sometimes we'll do that just so that other people will be impressed or, well, that's what everyone else does in January. Um, several years ago, the Care Pastors did a podcast series called Revolution instead of Resolution. And we talked about how, uh, you know, using um, God's precepts and his principles, you could have a revolution in your life as opposed to just making resolutions. So if that appeals to you, you can also look at that. That's on the uh, on the website. But if you look on um, slide number 11, here are some of the mistakes that I see people make when they set goals. Um, one is it. It's not specific enough, and we, we kind of talked about that. The more specific language you can use, the better. Um, sometimes it's because there's no deadline. Um, so you give yourself the freedom to start next week or next year uh, because you haven't committed yourself um, to a deadline. Sometimes you have too many things going on. You have too many goals. So, you know, you're going to... You're going to lose weight. You're going to go to the gym five days a week. You're going to drink, you know, 128 ounces of water every day. You're going to eat salad. You're going to get up 30 minutes earlier. You're going to do um, your devotion in the morning. And you have too many. And so what happens is we end up doing none of them. Sometimes it's too big. You've stretched yourself too much. And so... You have to be honest because if it's too big and you really don't believe that it's possible, then in the moment it feels good that you set the goal, but ultimately it will defeat you because you'll go, I'm a failure because I couldn't get there. Um, and then the fifth one is it's, it's not planned out, and that's what we're going to do today. And you actually uh, have a sheet that we gave, gave you that uh, is part of this um, PowerPoint that you can go through and actually write out a, a, a habit that you want to have in your life that's connected to a goal. 
Um, slide 12 talks about goal setting, and this uh, some of you may be familiar with this. Um, they're called SMART goals. And so when you, when you create a SMART goal, it's specific. It answers the question, what exactly am I trying to do here? Um, it's measurable. How am I going to know when I have achieved it? It's attainable because you believe that you can get there. You, you know, you genuinely believe it's possible to get there. It's relevant because it's going to contribute to your to your growth, so it has some value for you. And it's time bound. When when do you want to achieve this by? So an example might be okay. Specific. What exactly are you trying to achieve? Okay, I want to lose ten pounds. Say that's it. How will you know when you achieved it? Well, if I weigh myself and I see that I've lost 10 pounds, boom, it's there. Is it generally possible to achieve it? Yeah, I could probably lose 10 pounds. Is it relevant? Do you think that that's a value for you? You say yes. Well, when am I going to achieve this by? Well, I'm going to give myself six months. Okay. Uh, another goal might be that you're going to save uh, $1,000. So that's your specific goal. Measurable. How are you going to know when you achieved it? Because it will be in your bank account. Do you believe that you could do it? Yeah. Does it contribute to your growth? Yes. When are you going to do it by? I'm going to give myself a year. So now what you've done is you've you've honed in and you've made it very specific and you've made it attainable and you've given yourself some time to do it. And that's good because that creates a little bit of pressure. Uh, a little bit of pressure is good. Too much pressure and um, we'll give up. But before we get to goals, I want us to look, and this is slide 13, I want us to look at building a habit. Because here's the premise of this, of this whole uh, hug podcast is that before you try to go with your goals, go with habits. Uh, I've referenced this book before, but there's a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear came out several years ago, and he talks a lot about uh, why habits are so important and how they're actually the key to setting goals. So what is a habit? Well, a habit is a pattern or a routine or a custom that you're in. Another way to look at that is it's a fixed way of thinking uh, or willing, your will, or feeling that's acquired through repetition, or it's a settled or regular tendency or practice, especially one that is hard to give up. Now, habits don't have to necessarily be good or bad. And here's a good way to look at that. What is your morning routine? Because within that routine, you have habits. So for instance, mine is, as I get up in the morning, I go to the bathroom, uh, I have a tendency to brush my teeth, and I have a tendency to gargle with mouthwash, uh, and then I take a shower, and then I put on deodorant, and then I get dressed, I go downstairs, and I do my breakfast routine, and then I have a devotion that I listen to, and then I go to work. That's Monday through Thursday, or Sunday through Thursday. Now... There are several habits that are in that routine that you might say, well, that's a good thing to do. It's a good thing to brush your teeth. It's a good thing to, um, you know, put deodorant on. It's a good thing to take a shower. It's a good thing to uh, drink coffee if you like coffee. But some of those aren't necessarily good or bad. 
like putting getting dressed is not necessarily a good or bad routine but or habit but it is a routine and so what you want to look at in your life is is what are my habits what do they look like what's my routine look like and sometimes when i talk to people about this they have a very wide variety of routines and sometimes people do better by having the same routine every morning and they get into quote unquote the habit of that routine like some people will try to sleep till the last minute and then they're always running around like a chicken with his head cut off trying to get through the day and then the rest of their day seems rushed but on other days they feel better and so what habits are in your life that maybe you want to look at and say, hmm, maybe I can do something a little bit different. Because some of them may not be good, but others don't really have a value. It's just what you do. So if you look at slide 14, this is probably the slide I would say pay the most attention to. Because this is how habits get formed. So there are stages to that, and you'll see that we have four words. We have cue, we have craving, we have response, and we have reward. So a habit starts when you get triggered or there is a cue, okay? So for instance, when I wake up in the morning and my eyes open and I see the bathroom door, that's a cue, okay? And so sometimes we have bad cues, uh, we see donuts, we see cookies, um, we see um, pizza. I just use food as an example. And you ever been watching TV and you're not hungry and then a McDonald's commercial comes on and all of a sudden you're like, huh, I'm hungry. Well, guess what? The cue clicked something in your brain to where a craving comes next. So you're like, that's weird. I wasn't even hungry. And then I see a commercial for ice cream and now I have a craving. Now all of a sudden it's right there in my skull and it seems like it won't go away. Well, guess what? I need to respond to that in some way. And a lot of times my response is to meet the craving. So I'm sitting there. I see a commercial for ice cream for let's say it's Dairy Queen I see a, I see a Dairy Queen commercial I go huh I have a craving now I want some ice cream so my response is what well I'm gonna go downstairs and make myself a bowl of ice cream and then the reward is, is the ice cream tastes good now if every time I see a Dairy Queen commercial on TV and I go through those four stages guess what happens a habit starts. And here is where people sometimes get stuck because they've set goals to be healthy or to do something different. And then the habit formation hits. And sometimes when these things hit, we're not even aware that a habit has started. I remember when I was in college, I needed to stay up because uh, exams were coming. And um this will date me a little bit. There was a drink out called Jolt Cola. I don't even know if they make it anymore. But it was supposed to be the highest amount of caffeine in a drink. This was before energy drinks. This was the early 90s. 
And a friend of mine said, you know, the best way to get your energy up is to take uh, a spoonful of like Taster's Choice coffee grounds and put it in your mouth and chase it with Jolt Cola. And I did. And I really hadn't been a coffee drinker, uh, but it gave me so much energy, I was able to pull an all-nighter and took my exam and did well. Uh, I did not have a habit formation of doing that, but that's when coffee drinking started for me, and I've been a drinker of coffee for 30 years now. So when you look at the habits that you have, even if they don't have any value for you or you don't think they're good or bad, and you look and you go, how did these habits get started? What you're going to find is that this cue, craving, response, reward stages, these stages happen almost instantaneously. And so some of them you don't even give a, a thought to, right? Until you get to the other side and sometimes you feel guilty or you feel bad or regret because you did eat the ice cream or you did eat the cookies or, um, you know, you, you let your temper get the best of you, Right. Um, so again, the cue could be, uh, like with anger or with relational, um, uh, issues, uh, the cue could be the way somebody speaks to you, husband or wife speaks to you in a way where the craving is, is you want respect and you feel disrespected. And so your response is to kind of yell back and, or talk over that person to get them to be quiet. And then the reward is, now you don't feel disrespected. But the problem now is, is that you have relational conflict. And so it's very interesting that sometimes when you're dealing with two people, these habit formations have a tendency to play off of each other. The cue of one person ends up being a cue for another person, and then people go back and forth, and they have a hard time uh, with relational conflict. So if you go to slide 15... Proverbs 16.9 says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And so that's what we would like to do here on this last part of the podcast is, how do we establish uh, a habit formation to where we can meet some of these goals that we may have in our lives? So as we go to slide 16, there's a habit worksheet, and uh, you can actually print this off as well. But I'm going to go through this with you, and what we're going to do is we're going to identify one habit that we would like to start or stop. And I'm actually going to bring one from my personal life uh, that I've started in 2023 to kind of show you how to do this. Because most people, when they do this, uh, put a goal up. And we don't want to put a goal. We want to put a habit. The habit is the very thing that I'm going to do. Okay. So for me, I found a devotion and it's called Lectio, L-E-C-T-I-O 365. You can download it onto any tablet or phone or computer. And they do a 10-minute devotion in the morning and a 10-minute devotion at night. So my habit which is tied to a goal I have, but my habit is I'm going to listen to the devotion uh, at least five times a week. Now, some weeks I do more, but I set the habit at five days a week, okay? Now, my goal is to develop more intimacy with God, but I need a habit that I need to put into place first, Now, I can always evaluate this habit to see how it's working. Uh, You notice I didn't put seven days a week because if I miss a day, 
Uh, sometimes people are less motivated to continue. Well, I didn't meet it this week. I guess I'll go back to next week. Well, if you do five, you can always go above that. But five's a pretty consistent time. Okay. So my habit is to listen to the Lectio 365 app at least in the morning. Okay. Now, the next part, it says identify the specifics of when, where, and how often this habit's going to take place. I already told you the how often, which is five, uh, five, at least five times a week. The where, I do it in my office because I do other devotions and other work. So that's an easy place for me to do that because I already do other habits in there that are related to this. But here's the key is the when. Now, James Clear says in his book, Atomic Habits, he calls it, habit stacking. So what you do, the reason I asked you what your morning was like is because if you can stack a new habit onto other ones that you're already doing, the chances of the new one sticking go up. So I told you what my morning routine is. I get up, go to the bathroom, brush my teeth, uh, gargle some Listerine, take a shower, put on some deodorant, get dressed, get my uh, what I'm going to have for breakfast, and then I added this habit. And so, whereas I used to not, I would usually go to work. But now I've added this habit, and so when on your sheet on page 16 where it says when, I do it after my morning routine, but I'm specific. I do it after I get my coffee or after I get my breakfast. So there's a specific time. Now, what I realized when I started out was because it's about a 10-minute devotion, I had to start my day about 10 minutes earlier. So I had to be aware of that, which, to be honest with you, uh, has me going to bed a little bit earlier because I realized that even though it's only 10 minutes, made a huge deal for me. So if you go to slide 17, then it says identify the person or persons you're going to share this with. This isn't so much accountability as it is support uh, and understanding. So the person that I chose was my wife. So I said, hey, when I'm finished with my morning routine, I'm going to be going upstairs to the office and closing the door. So just wanted you to know this is what I'm doing. So I have her support. You know, she can be praying for me and asking me how it's going. Then it says, identify how you will physically remind yourself of this habit. What they have found in research is that if you cross off something on a calendar or you are doing something else that's a reminder of that, the chances of it going up and it staying in front of you uh, increase your chances. I know there are some people um, who will set timers on their phones to remind them to pray or to call somebody. Uh, I was in a colleague's office the other day, and her phone went off, and she said, how can I pray for you? And I told her, and she prayed for me, and she said she does that twice a day. So that's her physical reminder. Um, In the book, uh, I like this, James Clear and Atomic Habits makes a a comment where he says that there was a guy who was trying to uh, do better in sales. And so on his desk, he had two um, mason jars, and one was filled with uh, marbles, the other was empty. And every time he made a call, and every time he saw somebody or sent an email, he would put a marble into the other jar, and he would keep going each day until the jar was empty. And the reason why that is so important is because the, the tactile part of actually doing something 
you feel like you are moving forward. Now, what you've noticed is, is I really haven't said much about the goal. Because what we're trying to do is we're trying to establish the habit. Now, you do have a goal, but you notice that's the last thing. And I told you what the, what the goal was earlier when I said, you know, the goal is to develop intimacy with God. And so the habit is what leads us to the goal. What I see people do a lot, and this is in counseling and as a pastor, is I see people setting a goal, but they don't set any habits. So if you set the habits first and say, okay, I'm just going to continue to do the habit, I have a goal, but the more I do the habit, the more my identity changes. And so, for instance, if you're like, well, I've never really eaten well before, or I've never really been a good student, or I've never really been a clean person in my house, my house is always messy. Here's a question you could ask yourself, and again, Clear does this in the book as well. What would a healthy person do? So let's say you're getting ready to go out to eat with friends and you're at, the, at a Mexican restaurant and they put the chips and salsa in front of you. Nothing wrong with chips and salsa. I love chips and salsa. But if your habit is to, is to eat healthy at lunch and your goal is to, to lose weight and you're sitting there and you see the chips and salsa, you could ask yourself, well, what would a healthy person do? Not that you think you're a healthy person yet, but what would they do? Well, they would probably order uh, something that was healthy, and they probably wouldn't eat a lot or any of the chips and salsa uh, because that may not meet with their goals. And what you start to do is your identity changes the more the habit takes root in you. And so that's why we want to develop the habits. And what will happen is, is you'll notice the goal kind of takes care of itself and the habit is what the focus becomes. And then once you establish a habit, you can always add something else to it. So I'm pretty new in that, but I will tell you that we are uh, taping this toward the end of March and... Um, I've been able to keep with that habit. I have several other habits that I included in different areas of my life, but that's the one that, um, that I'm sharing with you today. So you can look back at slides 16 and 17, and you can kind of play around with that and, and see how it starts to look to you. And what's interesting is when you do that, you may notice if you go all the way back um, to slides 7 and 8, uh, the common reasons for procrastination may start to pop up even as you're looking at new habits. And then Proverbs 16.3 says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and then he will establish your plan. So as you do that, ask God to help you. Ask God for support. And God may actually give you, he may tweak your habit. He may add some things or take some things off um, because we want to include him in this. I don't want to be trying to do stuff without God being the one who's uh, directing my path. So um, this doesn't this doesn't hit everything about goal setting and about habits, but I think it's a good place to start if you're interested in in maybe doing something like that. Um, and you'll notice that on slide 19. Um, 
you have a way of getting in touch with us. Um, if you want to uh, email us, you can do that at careministries at brookwoodchurch.org. You can also call us at 864-688-8355. And you can also find out what's going on around here by going to brookwoodchurch.org slash events slash care, and you'll see other hug offerings as well as um, other activities that we have going on. This information is also going to be included uh, as we end. But um, I hope you found this to be helpful. And uh, if I can be of any assistance to you moving forward, please feel free to get in touch with me uh, either way at the uh, at the email or the phone number, and uh, I'd be happy to do that. And so uh, let me close us in prayer, and then um, uh, happy habit setting. <laughs> All right, let's pray. God, thank you for uh, giving us this time and space to talk about habits and talk about the things that may keep us from being able to move forward in in certain areas of our life. And uh, God, I just pray that you'll guide us. Uh, Give us what we need uh, to be able to take those steps. God, I pray that you'll inspire us and that you will uh, help us to believe that we can. And Lord, as we begin uh, maybe a new habit. Uh, God, I pray that you'll bring people alongside to uh, to help us because at times it may be hard and we may stumble. Uh, but God, we are reminded over and over in the scripture that you don't leave or forsake us and that you're with us as we do. So thank you for that reminder and may that be more real to us today than it ever has. And Jesus, we thank you and we offer up all of our prayers in your name. Amen. So God bless. Hope you guys have a great day. Thanks again for listening to the Care Ministries podcast from Brookwood Church. If you'd like more information about today's topic or you need support, you can call us at 864-688-8355. You can also learn more about Care Ministries by visiting www.brookwoodchurch.org care. And make sure to check out all of our upcoming events and support groups on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash brookwoodcare. We'd love to be an encouragement to you as we walk together in a healing relationship with Christ. Until next time, God bless you.